This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good morning. You all all right? Get out this out the way so I don't hit anybody's stuff. Oh, well, now then, what a week. It's been an up and down week. Have you all had a good week? Yeah, good. I'm glad. Some of you are like, I've had a lovely week. Some of it has been great. Some of it has been not so great. What God's teaching me is that I need to challenge my complaining gene. Because I don't know if any of you are like me, but I do love a good whinge. But whinge... (laughs) And my son will enjoy some whinging in stereo in the car drive on the way home as I relive that moment. So, no... But what we do is, is that we live in that place, don't we? And um, we've, you know, I've spent some time with some lovely people this week. I've got really fabulous friends, which I am thankful to God for. I've got a lovely team in work, which I thank God for. I've got a fabulous church family here, which I thank God for. But, you know, a couple of people in my life this week have um, been touched by cancer indirectly. You know, we've lost, um, Joe's lost a family member this week to cancer. There's other people in this church struggling. You know, Dave and Father struggling with cancer. And you know what? I hate cancer. Cancer sucks. Hate it, and you know. So on Friday, because I've got an adult child, I have to book in time with him. So you know, because I never see him, never see him. So Joe and I scheduled some time together, and we went down to see the sunflowers in Rossilli. Have you been there? You don't have to look at my pictures on Instagram, cause everybody in Southwest Wales is looking at the sunflowers. But go, it's beautiful, and we walked. Cause no. We walked along the beach from Llangeneth to Rossilli, which is glorious in and of itself. But we did that because I parked in the wrong place. But thankfully, God takes everything for his glory, doesn't he? And so as we were walking, you know, we needed to do that because I just needed some beauty in my life. You know, sometimes you just need beauty in your life, don't you? And you need to remember how big God is and how big you're not. And that God put God in his rightful place. And as we were walking, and so the beach in Llangeneth was quite densely populated. And then you walk the stretch. In Rossilli, it's quite densely populated. Lots of people enjoying. But in between, there was just unbroken miles of sand with nobody on it. And you looked one way, you saw the Llangeneth coastline. You looked the other, you saw the Rossilli coastline. And you suddenly are aware of how tiny you are and how in charge God is. So I did a pirouette and flung my shoes. And um, because I had space to, I asked Joe to help me pick them up. He refused because he said I was showing off. And um, I retrieved my shoes. And you know, the words came to me. And they were from a song. And this is what we're speaking on today. So this is all a preamble. But you know what? The words came to me. It just said, from a hill song. And let the weak stand and confess that my portion is him and I am more than blessed. And you know, the words this morning, the songs we've heard this morning, all the prayers this morning, are we not declaring that my portion is him and I am more than blessed? So the title this morning is, The Lord is my portion. Now, if you don't know what that means, it means that he is more than enough. If you believe in Jesus Christ this morning and have confessed in your heart that he is your 
your saviour, the Lord God himself, the creator of heaven and earth, the, ma the, the God who measures out the oceans of the world in the palm of his hands, who flung the stars and galaxies into space and named every single one. He is enough for you this morning. He is your portion this morning. And we are set apart by God for God to do good works purposed by him in his name because he is more than enough for us. Amen. Amen. Now, come on. We all need some beauty in our lives. And sometimes life isn't beautiful. But we are called as Christians to do two things. These are my two points. I'll get on to these in a bit, okay? We are the hallmarks of portion people, because that's what I'm calling us. The hallmarks of portion people are people who live sacrificially and who live purposefully. Amen? So there's a precedent for this, and the precedent goes back into the Old Testament and travels through into the New Testament. You won't hear Jesus talk so much in the New Testament about how he's your portion, but you will talk, hear him talking about how he is all you need, and that everything he has given us is all we need for holy living. But we need to go back to Numbers, way back in Numbers, when the Israelites were being apportioned land in the promised land. God tells Aaron, Moses, his brother. I'm from Slethley. We normally say Aaron, but I was being posh there for you. I just want you to know that. So, God, you know, through Moses, and he says, look, you, your inheritance, they're all having land. All the others are having land. You are not having land. Your inheritance is not going to be something tangible that you can look at, stand on, and fight for. You with me? People will never be able to invade what I'm giving you, God says, because what I am giving you is me. So I set apart the tribe of Aaron and all who comes from him to be a royal priesthood. Can we put the verses up, please, from um, First Peter? And this is what we come to. So Peter says, oh, hang on. But you were a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen. You see, some things stopped in the Old Testament. There's no need for sacrifices anymore. Jesus has completed it once and for all. Amen. Yes. So through the um, Moses' covenant and Abraham's covenant, that all stops. We live in a new covenant now. Yes. And the, the author and perfecter of that is Jesus Christ himself. So back in the Old Testament days where God said, I set you apart as a royal priesthood, you will minister for the people on my behalf. You will have no land or possessions of your own. All you will receive is the tithes of the people. And I call upon you as the priesthood to minister the tithes effectively for the people, for me in my name. In the New Testament, we're told... We're all priests. If you believe in Jesus Christ, we are all priests. We are all the royal priesthood. Amen? We are set apart by God for God. Now, that's your portion. So now, practically, what I would like to do this morning, if it's okay, is to look at our lives and ask ourselves, is he though? Is he though? Is he though? So you're all nodding furiously, and I have heard your voices lifted in praises to the Most High God this morning, declaring his supremacy, declaring that you need nothing more than him in your lives. Do we, though? Do we live that, though? Because I believe in the sincerity of the saints. I believe as we stand here worshipping, we mean every word we say. 
Amen? I truly believe. When I worship, I mean it. And then I walk out the door and my life happens to me. Right? Don't look at me like that. We all know it. Do we then acknowledge he's our portion and I'm a royal priesthood set apart by him for him? Or do I give in? Do I fall at the first? Do I trip at the first hurdle? Is he enough? Is he enough? That's what I'm asking. This morning, I'm asking us all to examine our hearts and say, is the Lord my portion? Is he your portion? Are you living in a place where you don't need anything else because you've got God? Amen? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. Can we go to Lamentations? Is that okay? Because there's loads and loads and loads of scriptures around this stuff. And it's also incredibly and very, very brilliant. You know, is it up? Oh. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I love this verse, by the way. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Got it? We all all right with that? Everyone's all right with that. We all love a bit of lamentations, don't we? Everyone loves a little bit of that verse, because you know what? It's good, isn't it? But read it. Read it. It goes on. Shall I tell you what it goes on to say? Shall I? The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. But we leave that bit out because we like the bit about God's compassions and mercies. We're not so keen on hearing that actually his love is faithful and endures and I am more than blessed because of him and I am sacrificially living and I recall to mind his faithfulness, not his faithfulness in that he will do me good because I am his, but his faithfulness that he will never break his promises to me. That I am saved, I am rescued, I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. He will never break those promises to me. And then he tells me, but don't forget, you may have to bear some stuff while you're on this earth. But his mercies are new every morning and his portion is enough. Yes? So he doesn't say, but guess what? I'll get you out of all of that. Does he? I'll get you out of all of that and it won't make a blind bit of difference and it'll be watered off a duck's back because my portion is you. What he says is you need to go through that stuff sometimes because it brings you closer to me and it reminds us that he is our portion and I'm more than blessed. Are you with me? I am not saying God brings horrible stuff into our lives just to prove that he is God. He's way bigger than that. He doesn't have to do that. What I'm saying is that sometimes our choices, the consequences of our choices, the wickedness that is perpetrated against us by other people, God is still God. And he doesn't say we will never have to carry that yoke. He says while you're carrying that yoke, and by the way, it's good for you to learn that lesson early, that I am your portion and you're more than blessed. Do you understand what he's saying? What God isn't saying, I really, really, really want you all to suffer. What are you saying is, Jesus said it, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Right? So what he's saying is, you will have trouble. So learn the lesson sooner rather than later, that while you're in the midst of that trouble, I am your portion. There is nothing else you need. Amen? Psalm 23 says it all. That, that Phil, right? Psalm 23 says it all. He lays a table for us before our enemies. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we need not fear any evil, for he is with us. For he is our portion. Friends, the Lord is your portion. You understand? The Lord is our portion. We don't need to fear anything. He is there. We are a royal priesthood. So I want to ask, so what do we do with our portion? So if we believe that, 
What are we doing with it? Is our plate not full enough? Do we save our portion for a rainy day? Do we? You know, do we think, well, I'll sort my life out a little bit later because I'm having an amazing time right now, actually. And lots of things become more important to us. You see, the tribe, the, the people of Aaron, the priesthood, were not given any possessions. You understand? What are we holding on to? In our life, what are we holding on to? I've met Christians who go, oh, material stuff doesn't bother me, Andrea. I think you'll find that I'm way, way, way more spiritual than that. And you're like, yeah, but are people your possessions? Are your children your possessions? Is your career your possession? People are not possessions. People are not possessions. We're not promised other people. My son is a gift, believe it or not. No, you know, my son... <laughs> My son is a gift, but I don't own him. And having an adult child is one of life's great joys. I've never parented an adult before. It's challenging in different ways, but I love it. I love it. I'll tell you why I love it. Because God is good and he's my portion. And he has blessed me with someone to help me build grace and patience in my life. And that is a marvelous thing. But do we do that with other people? You know what? Let me let me just sort of break it down a little bit here. Okay. I have um I have a visual aid. Don't tell Emrys has been trying to steal these from me all morning. So I have removed them from temptation's path. Now, what I'm going to ask you is really 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 simple questions. Ready? Sunday morning, come on. Are you ready? Yeah. Thank you. Right, what's this? Oh, gold star from Jesus. Right, what else is it? Fruit. Well done, mother. She's on it. What else is it? Food. There we are. What else is it? Red, sweet and juicy. What else is it? A treat. What else is it? They're not trick questions. I'm not going to hurl them at you after shouting wrong. You know. What, what, food. Good for you. Okay. Anything else? Good with cream. Good with cream and sugar. And chocolate. Yeah, okay. Anything else? Better with the champagne. Hello, la da Hello. What else? Makes a nice jam. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. But the only facts we know about this is it's a strawberry and it's red and it's fruit. Everything else is an opinion. Everything else is an opinion. You might not like strawberries with your champagne. You might not like strawberries with your chocolate. It might not be sweet or juicy. It might be dry, hard and sour. All that we know about this is that it's a strawberry. It's red. It's fruit or it's food. Everything else is opinion. The facts remain the same and unchangeable. It doesn't alter being a strawberry, whether it's sour or not. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because it is a strawberry, it can't be anything else. But this is what we do to God when we misunderstand that he's our portion. What we say is God is enough until he's not enough and then he stops being God. Right? So God isn't a strawberry, obviously. Really, really nearly ate it then and had to fill time. That's why I said that, because I nearly just went like that. Just an automatic thing. It's in there. I know you won't look after them. I actually don't trust you, Pastor. That's a terrible thing to give for the benefit of the tip. I do trust Pastor Phil. I do. But this is the thing about God being our portion is. He's enough until he isn't enough. So the fact about God is, okay, he is God. 
He sent Jesus Christ, his son, one and only son, to die for us, that we would be forgiven from our sins. He is now resurrected, sitting at the right hand. All of this stuff. He is our shield. He is our portion. He is our light. He is our strength. He is the only reason we are saved. The reason I'm breathing, that would be God. All of those facts are incontrovertible until God doesn't come through for us. And then he isn't enough. Then, perhaps I've done something wrong. Perhaps God isn't what he says he is. Perhaps God doesn't love me. Perhaps God is angry. All the things we know in our heart as Christians to be true about God, we start to doubt. Why? Because we have misinterpreted that he is our portion and that's all we need. You have value because he has given value to you. You have worth because he has given worth to you. He is everything and you don't need anything else. So you are seen, heard, valued, cherished and loved because he is enough. You are enough because he is enough. Fact, until he isn't enough. Until you don't get that job. Until you're single for a bit too long. Right? Preach Jesus. Okay? Until your kids start playing up. Uh, no, please, until someone gets ill. I'm not being trite. I'm not being flippant about our lives. What I'm saying is that God warns us and teaches us about this, about getting ready for this stuff, because he says the facts about me don't change, but your opinion about me will. And all of that to do is whether you recognize God as your portion or not. My portion means I get enough. You understand about portion control? We limit what we intake, maybe sometimes, because bits of it aren't good for us. We don't want to stuff our faces. God is saying, that will never be the case. You will never be in lack. You will never, ever, ever be gluttonous on God, because he is enough. He will always satisfy you. Do you understand? So it's up to us to challenge and question the emotions and motives and agendas we carry throughout our life, which subjects God to this view that he isn't enough when he clearly says to us over and over and over and over, I am all you need. And the sincerity of our hearts, friend, is that we sing it and mean it. We pray it and mean it until our life happens to us and we start to question it. That's our opinion. Yes, that is subjective. The objective facts about God are incontrovertible. They don't change until we give change to them. Do you understand? We change God. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. Yes, until he doesn't do what I want. And then I change him. And I make him something he was never meant to be. And he's going, I haven't changed, Andrea. And neither has my love for you. You are still a royal priesthood. And the calling on us is to live that way. Amen? Isn't it exciting? Isn't it exciting that God says, you don't need to worry about all of that because look at everything I've got for you. Because I think sometimes, okay, so let's move on to point one or else we'll just run away with ourselves. And uh, I'm trying to stick to a scripture, people. We've got a beach to get to. Right, so here we go. Okay? So living a life of portion is hallmarked by two things. Number one, living sacrificially. You can put the verse from Romans up. We all know this verse. We all know it. We all know it. We all love it. We trot it out. Here we go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, right? In view of God's mercy, that has been extended freely to us, unmerited grace and favour extended to us through Jesus Christ. Amen. So in view of that mercy, 
to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Okay? Sacrificial living means we are the offering. Everything I want is my offering. Everything I ever was, everything I'm ever capable of achieving, all my hopes, dreams, desires, all my mistakes are put on the altar before Christ Jesus and I give them willingly to him and I say they are yours. That is my daily act of sacrifice. Understand? Our daily choice is to live as transformed people with renewed minds. Yes? So if you're not living in that place, if I'm not living in that place, let today be the day of change where I approach my life from a place of victory, saying God is my portion, instead of I am living in a place of lack because God hasn't come through for me. Your prayers might not be answered yet. Yet. That does not mean God is not for you. Understand? God answers prayers three ways, doesn't he? He says yes, he says no, or he says wait. <laughs> doesn't he? And that's all fine, because he's God. The waiting isn't a punishment the waiting is a time of refinement the waiting is a time of perfecting the waiting is a time where we are being transformed from holy to holy in the name of lord jesus while we await the will of the lord and what he has for us for our benefit no for his glory amen this is what sacrificial living looks like. Sacrificial living means that our own desires are laid aside and we allow the Holy Spirit to... I've written this down. I've got to read it. I don't read... Um, often illiterate. And as I'm illiterating, I'm going to read it out. The Holy Spirit... We need to allow the Holy Spirit to renew, re-educate, and redirect. Yeah? To renew, to re-educate, and redirect. Because if we let the Holy Spirit do that, do you know what he'll do? He'll do it. He'll do it. If you submit yourself to God and say, this is how I want to change, that's a prayer God answers. Because he's like, well, that's rather marvellous. I hear you say you want to be a bit more like Jesus. Watch this. And then watch your life transform around you where he gives you opportunities to be a bit more like Jesus. Watch the difficult people who come into your sphere. Oh, come on. Watch the difficult people God will bring to you when you pray for patience. Watch the temptations God will lay before you when you pray for self-control. Watch the infuriating people God will bless you with as you pray to still your anger. This is what happens when we pray those prayers and God says, I am so ready for you to be perfected, Andrea. Now let's do this together because my portion is him and I'm more than blessed. So my opinion of me and you isn't based on my opinion of me and you. It's based on God's opinion of us. Yes. Yes. Isn't it amazing? So I don't have to look at you and judge anymore. I'm released from judging anyone. I refuse to be in a place where I judge myself anymore because God says I'm enough, because he's enough. And when we live sacrificially, pouring out those bits of us for God, he restores and replenishes it with more of him. Do you get it? So the more you give up those bits of yourself, the more he replaces it with himself so I don't have to worry about what people think about me. I couldn't care less what you think about me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry if your opinion of me, if you want it to matter to me. It doesn't. 
whether you think I'm amazing, of course you do. Or whether you think, you're only human, God bless you. Or whether you think I'm an absolute idiot, none of it matters to me because God says I'm his. Do you understand? So it doesn't matter if you think my clothes are funny, or my hair is funny, and if you don't like the way I talk, I don't care. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. You know, but you know, if I'm breaking the law, if I'm doing something, I'm hurting someone, then please, by all means, come and talk to me about it. Because that's different to opinion, isn't it? That's different to opinion. Your opinion doesn't matter to me. Amen. Amen. Receive in Jesus' name. Yeah? So your opinion, so my opinion of you shouldn't matter to you. Do you understand? It's because I'm transforming myself and renewing the pattern of my mind where when I look at you, I see Jesus and say, good grief, I need to pray for that person. Good grief, I need to love that person. Lord God, show me what I can do. Show me what I can say. Show me where I can be. Show me the salt and light I need to be in this place. And he says, you just show them me, Andrea. Do you get it? You just show them me. So don't join in the gossip. Don't look at people angrily. Don't look at people smettily. None of that. You look at people like Jesus would look at them and say, Christ died for them. Now what can I do for them? Amen? That's living sacrificially. Well, you're giving up you because you love Jesus more. That's what being a royal priesthood means. The royal priesthood means you're accountable for the people. You're accountable to God for the people. <laughs> Everyone's like that. Uh, I think you'll find, Andrea, that actually... I play a starring role in my own psychodrama. And, uh, and I, it's, all, it's all about me. And I think if you read some of my Instagram posts and Facebook books, you'll see that. You know, but what I'm saying is, that's where we change, isn't it? Our ego wants to come first. Our flesh always wants to come first. My flesh will always put me before you. That's what it wants to do. But that's why Galatians 5 tells us, isn't it? We've actually cut off the flesh. And now we live in the spirit. And the spirit does what God tells it to do. And that is to love. So I am not even a bit part player in my own life. Do you understand? Do you understand how freeing this stuff is? Friends, I'm setting you free today. Jesus Christ is setting you free. You are not even a bit part player in your own life. God loves you more than anything, more than anything, so you can relinquish all hold of your own life. How freeing is that? Listen, understand that you'd be living under an open heaven where you're reflexively listening to what God wants and doing it. And as you do more of what God wants, we reflexively hear more from him and do more of what God wants. Yes? It's that virtuous cycle that we get caught up in. We hear about the vicious cycle enough, don't we? Where negative choices need to let negative actions, need to negative consequences, and it refulfills itself back to negative choices. It perpetuates and goes on and on and on. Today I'm saying, cut off the, that bit of your flesh that encourages you to act in an ungodly way, whereby we are seeing virtuous cycles happen in all our lives. Yes! Genuinely, are you thrilled? Because honestly, some of you are looking like, I'm quite happy where I am, thanks. I'm quite happy where I am, thanks, Andrea. You don't understand what it's been like for me. You don't understand what that was like. You don't understand how much I've been hurt. 
You don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand what they said. You don't understand what I did and I'm living in guilt and shame and I can't forgive myself. You don't understand any of that, Andrea. So how on earth do you expect me to change? I don't expect you to change, friend. God is saying you can change. And that the choices you make about not changing are your choices. If I choose to hold on to my hurt, my guilt, my shame, my rotten choices, my negative thinking, that is my choice to hold on to it. And God says, welcome to your world. Welcome to your world. This is the world you've created for yourself, Andrea. Now you enjoy it. But when you pray for me to change it, understand I can't because they're your choices and I can't have any part of sin. Do you understand what God is saying? If you are praying to have your unforgiveness blessed, God's going, I can't do that. I can't, I can't bless your unforgiveness. I sent my son to die to forgive you and you're withholding forgiveness from someone. I can't bless that. God cannot bless our sin. You might need to chat with me later about this stuff. But this is how we transform lives. This is how we break chains that bind. This is how we transform our minds. This is how we redirect and re-educate ourselves is by recognizing that God, we live in a place of cause and effects Christianity. Don't you think? Point two, okay, is that we live purposefully. Our purpose is to do God's will. You were called to someone before you were called to something. Don't talk to me about what your calling is, what you're called to do, until you're loving Jesus like he says you should. Right? That's the call on my life. He's taken me through this. Don't you tell me what you want for people, Andrea, when you can't put me first. Okay. Ooh, tools down. Let's sort that out. But we live in a cause and effect Christianity world, which says, but I'm doing good, God. So I totally expect you to overlook the stuff I'm not doing. Don't we, friends, I love you so much. Do you understand how much I love you this morning? And do you understand how much God loves you this morning? He loves you so much. He wants you to get this stuff in your heads and hearts. That's how much God loves you. He's saying, you know what? You're doing great stuff. You're doing great stuff. And I love what you're doing. It's absolutely breathtaking. It's absolutely terrific. But don't for one second think I can bless it because of the stuff Not that we're not doing the stuff you're refusing to do. How can I bless this over here when you won't forgive over here? How can I bless this over here when you're living in anger and resentment over here? How can I bless this bit of your life, Andrea, over here when actually all you're doing is whining to me about being single? Oh, come on. I'm a single person. I've been single for nearly 20 years. Joe, me and him, we took on the world. And I tell you what, we did it. Because I tell you what, God teaches you if you're single. If you're married as well, you are does. Some of you have been married for 40 years. I can't even think about that. Right, you know? This is what God teaches you. He teaches you resilience. Portion people are resilient people. I work with so many young people and they are blighted. Social anxiety and other anxieties because of negative, intrusive thoughts. Thoughts of comparison. Yeah? Thoughts of catastrophizing, thoughts of minimizing all the good stuff that happens and only focusing on the bad. So you can have the best day of your life. One thing goes wrong, the day was rubbish. Right? 
So we focus on these negative, intrusive thoughts, but God teaches you resilience and says, but my portion is enough for you, Andrea. So when you look at the stuff that's gone wrong, God is still a portion that is enough for me. Do you understand? Can we put the verse up from Psalms, please, Lee? So when we're in this place, what God is saying is, you know, live and walk with me, be anchored in my guidance, be anchored in my love. But don't for one second think that because you say you're a Christian and don't act like it, I can act on your behalf. Do you understand? The psalmist got this. You know, Psalm 73, Asaph wrote this. It is an amazing psalm. Please read Psalm 73. He rants and raves in Psalm 73. He is tamping, as we say in Tlenetli. He is consumed with fury. Why? Because lots of other people are getting lots of stuff and they're really nasty people. And he loves God and he's not got anything and he doesn't know if that can coexist and it's not fair, God. It's not fair. They're not even nice. They looked at me funny. And they're not even nice, Lord. And you've given them everything. And I don't understand. And I don't understand. And I don't understand because I love you. That right there, friends, is our problem, isn't it? Yeah. That right there, friends, is our problem. When we look at what other people have got and a covetousness and an envy fills our heart, we say, oh, I'm just praying to bless my enemies right now until they get blessed and then I hate them. Yeah? Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Yes, Lord God, would you pray for them? Give them everything they want. Bless them, Lord. Let them do your will. And if you can also make them a little bit fat and ugly, I'd be just be so much happier. <laughs> right? That's what we really mean. That's what we really mean. Don't look at me like that. We're sitting there going, oh, bless my enemies. Except don't. Except don't you dare, God. Because then they might get smug and they won't think they're in the wrong. And what I really need, Lord, what I really need is for them to understand how wrong they are. What I really need is for them to understand how wrong they are and how right I am. So bless my enemies, Lord, by blessing me. Bless my enemies by blessing me. And when they see how blessed I am by you, they'll realize how wrong they were and they'll say sorry. And they might mean it. And I, in your name, Lord God, will forgive them. Graciously and lovely as I am. In Jesus' name, amen. Right? That's how, that's how we pray, friends. Don't kid yourselves that we don't. That is how we pray. James 4 says, leave scams up. James 4 says, okay, you don't ask because you don't get. No, you don't get because you don't ask. And when you ask, you still don't get because you only ask for things that will benefit you. That's what James says. You don't get because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you only ask for things that benefit you. So you don't get it. Honestly, I'm not, listen, I'm not making this stuff up. It's in the Bible. All right, so Psalm 73. So Asaph goes through this, this, this whinge fest. It is absolutely breathtaking to read. It is wonderful to read. Every time I read it, I think, Lord God, bless Asaph. If he's there with you right now, just give him a really big cuddle or something because he's speaking to my soul here. He says, but he comes around full circle. And this is what he gets through. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterwards you will take me into glory because that's the most important thing, friends, for everyone in our world and for us. Today is the day of salvation. Not today is the day where I get my Chanel handbag and that will prove God loves me because I'm blessed. Right Today, look, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. 
Right? Right? Are you reading it? Are you reading it with me? Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Are we in that place? Are we in that place? I'm going to bring it to a close now. Because I just want to challenge us. I want to challenge us this morning. You know, the hallmarks of portion people are that we live sacrificially and we live purposefully. Spend time with those people. Surround yourself with those people. Surround yourself with people who will speak the truth to you in love. Surround yourself with people who will say to you, that was a little bit off actually. Let's try this way. Surround yourself with people who will encourage you into a deeper relationship with God, not who will pull you away from that. Encourage yourself daily by reading God's word. Can you hear me? Encourage yourselves daily by reading God's word. Even the bits that make no sense and the bits that are horrible, because there are some of those, and even the bits that you think, who's he talking about? Friend, he's teaching you more about him. Never mind who he's talking about. Is he talking about my enemies there? Because that's a really negative passage. I hope he is. But I'll flip to the really positive ones about me. I'm so loved. Amen. You know, that's what we do. Read the word to learn more about him. Encourage yourself daily. Pray, pray, pray without ceasing. You know, my friend's words here, David's words the other day in his, when he was speaking, don't just leave it as one sentence before you go to sleep. Be engaged in a constant dialogue with the Most High God. He has made a way through Jesus Christ for you to share what you are burdened by, for you to unmask your fears before him, for you to pour yourself out before him in praise and worship and love. Jesus Christ made a way for that. And more one line before you nod off to sleep or before a difficult situation just isn't enough. We need constant dialogue with God, constantly listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, see what Jesus says and thinks and wants us to do. Be confident in the knowledge that the more you do that and the more you read, you can attune yourself to what God says and you will know that he will never ask you to do something he doesn't say in here. God will never encourage us to sin. God will never tell us sin is okay. So God will never tell us our lack of forgiveness is okay. It's all right, Andrea, I understand. You're not like other people. You know, God will always encourage us. He will always love us. He will always lift us up. He will always be your streams of living water in a desert. He will always be our salvation. He will always be our shield. He will always be our strength. He will always be a light in the darkness. Friends, he will always be your portion if you would only recognize in our hearts that he is enough. Have a great week. I pray the Father for you. I pray the Father that today chains will be broken. I pray the Father that today lives will be changed. In Jesus' name, for his glory alone. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.